0: Hi I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 75 of my podcast Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Well today I'm sat in my office preparing this week's podcast in 32 degrees of heat which for us beekeepers here in Norfolk in the UK is somewhat uncomfortable but as I gradually melt my thoughts are turning to late summer treatments in preparation for the coming autumn and winter months ahead. I'd like to share with you my plans for treating my bees against Varroa and talk a little about preparing my bees for the colder months ahead. Beekeeping Short and Sweet A beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper in fact, just like me. It's been another interesting week of beekeeping, the hottest so far this summer and it's seen me heading out super early to carry out inspections before dashing back to shade and shelter away from the burning sun. It's no over exaggeration to say it can be quite dangerous being a beekeeper out there in such conditions and while I understand many beekeepers tend their bees in these kind of conditions around the world on a regular basis when you're not familiar with this kind of heat and humidity, it can catch you out quite quickly. Dehydration being the number one problem, I think, so having plenty of drinks has helped. Of course, if you only have a couple of hives to inspect, you can delay inspecting until the cooler part of the day, the late evening, or perhaps getting up a little earlier as I've been and get started before the sun gets too hot. And that's exactly what I have been doing, inspecting from 6.30 in the morning until about 10 o'clock 11 o'clock or thereabouts by that time the heat is really starting to hit home and I struggle to see the bees through the sweat in my eyes to be honest even with the 70s style bandana that I have around my head I still struggle so it makes sense to just stop and go back another time most of my colonies will be fine if left alone not many are attempting to swarm right now so I'm happy to leave them an extra day or so You might recall from last week's podcast that I had to rescue a virgin queen from a queenless nuke colony that I'd set up and uh, unfortunately they set upon her and would have surely killed her if not for my intervention. I popped her back into the hair roller cage with a plug of fondant and crossed my fingers in the hope that she would be uninjured and be able to be accepted, get out and mate and settle into building a colony of her own. Well I went back last weekend and had a look fully expecting her to either be dead or to be seriously damaged and unable to mate but I was very pleasantly surprised to see that not only was she alive but she'd indeed been out to mate, had successfully returned and was already laying eggs by the frame load. It was fantastic. It must have been a very quick mating from being released from the cage especially when compared to quite a number of the queens this year who seem to have taken forever to start laying but I'm so happy she survived and I'll now need to move them over into a larger box and I use commercial beehives so that she can continue to build the colony's strength. In other news uh, my queen mother that was donating all of the eggs for my queen rearing program disappeared last week she finally got the better of me and I suspect swarmed. It was the first few weeks that I'd seen swarm cells in that particular colony and thought that I'd removed all of the swarm cells but I obviously missed one. I can't be too disappointed as she was a yellow dot queen and it was the first time this colony had tried swarming in almost three years. I guess I must have become complacent in thinking they were never going to swarm The good news is of course I've been able to raise several batches of queens from her so she lives on in her daughters and all that remains now is to assess how these queens develop, check out their various traits and get them heading up strong colonies for the coming colder months. It's true to say that the next few coming weeks are a good starting point for the beekeeping year. Once the summer honey is removed it's time to start the whole assessment period ensure all the colonies are strong enough to survive the winter ahead. Now this could be a full-sized honey production colony or equally a small nucleus colony just made up and building through the late summer. If you're new to beekeeping and thinking of starting beekeeping with a couple of colonies you're fast approaching the point where I would say wait until next year. You can still easily build up a colony to overwinter but if you're inexperienced and not sure What's required, I would advise waiting until the spring and letting the more experienced beekeepers take on the responsibility of getting nucleus colonies through the winter and all that is involved instead of perhaps getting it wrong and causing the demise of a nuke and, of course, the expense that goes with it. Overwintered colonies have a track record of a good laying queen that has survived a winter with a healthy colony. They will have been treated for varroa and should be bursting out of the box in spring. Ready to give you a lot of pleasure in your first full season as a beekeeper rather than the terrible loss of a colony through January or February. With that in mind, now is the time to make contact with your preferred supplier and place an order for an overwintered nucleus colony. They sell out very quickly, so get in early to avoid disappointment. This year, for the first time, I'll be selecting a number of strong nucleus colonies for sale as overwintered nukes, so if you're interested in securing one of our nukes, do check out our website where we'll be shortly posting details of how to place an order. Many experienced beekeepers will tell you the beginning of the year begins in late summer and at this time of the year my thoughts turn towards late summer treatments for varroa mites. We've had a pretty good year thus far with low mite levels, a welcome result of our ongoing programme of treatment over the previous winter with oxalic acid sublimation and the upcoming treatment with Apivar. I have used Apivar before and it works really well without being unnecessarily harsh for the bees as some of the other treatments can be, such as Max and some of the thymol-based treatments. When administered, I don't see any major reaction to the Apivar treatment as it's a slow-release treatment lasting for as long as 10 weeks. The active ingredient is called Amitraz and acts on the Varroa octopamine receptors causing overstimulation which leads to the Varroa being killed. Now, I'm sure you're all well aware that I try to avoid getting too technical with my beekeeping, and I don't want to get drawn down the path of octopamine receptor issues. But it appears that these receptors are involved in some way with the signalling pathway within the Varroa mite that's involved in response to food. But honestly, that's as far as I really want to go in talking technical. Suffice to say, Apivar kills Varroa with no adverse reactions to the bees according to the detailed summary of product characteristics available on the Veterinary Medicines Directorate website. I'll pop a link to their website in the podcast notes. Each pack contains five double strips, giving ten individual strips altogether. There is a perforation down the middle which allows the two strips to be separated and each strip has a V-shaped cutout which allows it to be suspended between two frames and each strip is placed within the brood area. To get the treatment spaced correctly, there should be a couple of frames between each strip and this can be adjusted as the treatment period progresses to ensure the strips are always in the brood area. Don't be frightened of moving the strips or giving the strips a scratch with a hive tool to ensure the active ingredient continues to filter throughout the brood area. These strips can be used in nukes as well as full-size colonies and I'll be using a single strip in our three-frame nukes as well where needed. Of course there are many other treatments available to beekeepers who have a desire to treat for the varroa mite and the veterinary medicines directorate website is an excellent place to visit to get details of all of the latest authorised treatments available here in the UK. Whichever way you decide to go with treatments it's important to make sure you have everything in place ready for the treatment period as the autumn will soon be upon us and fly past very quickly and a relatively gentle time frame can soon become quite urgent. Most of the UK's online beekeeping supply companies stock a range of treatments, however I think thorn beekeeping are the sole UK supplier of Apivar. I'll put a link in the podcast notes and if you do happen to contact thorns, please do let them know you heard about it here. Another area to start checking now is protection against wasp attack and robbing by other colonies. As the forage amounts start to reduce, and here in Norfolk it will be like a tap being turned off. We find wasps start to find their way into apiaries and will quickly find weakened colonies to rob out. Once the robbing starts, there's little hope of a colony being able to fight them off, as it's normally the very weakest colonies that succumb to this form of attack. The trick here is to unite smaller colonies and to reduce the amount of room at the entrance to the point that bees have a small queue to get into the hive having returned from foraging. This prevents the wasps from sneaking in at the side of the hive entrance and roaming freely around inside, stealing stores of honey. It's amazing how wasps are just not allowed in at a closely guarded entrance, but if there's space for them to slip in and easily gain access, they seem to be totally ignored once inside. It's as if the bees inside the colony, except if these wasps are on the comb, they must have been allowed entrance and that's all okay. Close the entrance down a little and the guard bees will be all over them and they'll never get inside. While you're having a look around the hive take a close look at any gaps that might be available between supers and between supers and queen excluders of brood boxes. Again robbers and wasps will find the smallest of holes to squeeze in and before you know it you'll have an empty super and nothing to extract. Now that you're in the apiary check that you've not left any chunks of comb laying around have a general tidy up and make sure there's nothing available to encourage a robbing mentality to descend in your apiary. That also includes leaving the top off a jerry can of sugar syrup or the lid off a bin containing pollen substitute. In fact anything that will encourage bees and wasps to visit your apiary to rob your hives instead of visiting someone else's. I can guarantee if they find nothing available in your apiary they'll go in search elsewhere. Just rewinding a little back to the subject of having colonies that are strong enough to overwinter, it can sometimes be difficult, particularly for beginner beekeepers, to make that assessment. What is big enough? What is strong enough? At this time of the year, colonies started in the spring should be covering all the frames in the brood box. Colonies that may be swarmed in the spring should also be covering all of the frames in the brood box. There should be plenty of brood, maybe 8 to 10 frames of brood, Frames and frames and frames of brood and plenty of frames of stores in the brood box too. Weaker colonies are those where maybe the queen isn't laying terribly well. A random brood pattern perhaps, that should be a cause for concern and you might need that queen to be replaced before going into the winter. I wouldn't worry about the size of the queen, a large or a small queen. I've had queens that have overwintered successfully regardless of their size but it's the brood pattern that is the real concern. If you have a nice large disk of digestive biscuit coloured brood with very few empty cells and large patches of brood in all stages along with plenty of eggs it's fair to consider this as a strong colony. If you only have a small colony on maybe five frames out of 11 or 12 very few flying bees and a small patch of intermittent brood with only occasional eggs it's unlikely this colony will survive the wasps let alone making it through the winter. Far better to remove this queen and unite the colony with a much stronger one and allow them to overwinter on a double brood box with the option of splitting them again in the spring. This might all seem a little premature given the current heat wave but honestly time flies and before you know it we'll be scrubbing our smokers for the last time this season. Finally if you are tempted to give apivar a try remember it's a six to ten week treatment so get it into your hives as soon as you've removed the honey. You can catch up with more of my beekeeping journey by checking out the growing content list on my Patreon page which is patreon.com forward slash Norfolk honey. Well that's it for today, here's to another great if not slightly cooler beekeeping week and thanks for hanging around until the end of the podcast. I'm Stuart Spinks and that was beekeeping short and sweet.